Welcome back to Card and Lowry, and we are back for our Final Four update, and we are super excited uh, to talk about these games, uh, obviously, uh, for the reason you know. Uh, but let's start off light with a little conversation starter. And Sam, you know, there's been some official reactions to this, uh, but have you seen the green iPhone commercial? I have, yeah. Green iPhone, hate it or love it? Um, I would say I'm partial to it. I oh. I like... I like how they're going in a different direction, you know, than just the black, the silver, and the white. Um, you know, my sister has a yellow phone, and that was kind of cool. So I think I wouldn't say that I love it, but I would say that I'm a fan. I would say that I hate it. Uh, wow. Personally, it's just it's just looks so weird. Um, I mean, that's just what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this, that question wasn't very good, but was very good, uh, with this final four and maybe not the first game, uh, but the second game definitely delivered on the highest of levels. Uh, but let's start with that first game of the night, uh, tipping off at six Oh nine, you got Kansas crushing Villanova 81 65. Sam, what'd you see here in this game? Um, I just saw complete dominance from beginning to end, um, by Kansas, you know, they got out to that early, what was it, 10-point lead? Yeah, it was 10-0. Um, and I just kind of think that they never looked back from there. So, Yeah, Kansas had an incredible uh, performance top to bottom. Let's look at the box score. Uh, you got uh, uh, Christian Braun with the late dagger through that three, which is insane. Uh, he had 10 points in the second half. Uh, McCormick, obviously, with 25, the big guy in the middle. And then O.J. Abaje uh, hitting Six three-pointers, those were his only field goals, six for seven for the three-point line. And uh, when somebody shoots that good, you know, they're destined uh, to lead their team to victory. Uh, Villanova a little underhanded, but uh, a great run for Jay Wright's team. And uh, the Kansas Jayhawks will advance to the national championship. Who will they play? The North Carolina Tar Heels in an epic, thrilling, emotional, historic, unbelievable, incomparable matchup. North Carolina takes down Duke, 81-77. Sam, take it away. Um, There was a lot in this game. Um, It was very back and forth. Uh, I I think that, you know, neither team really played great, I would say. I think Caleb Love was the exception uh, to that. Um, Obviously... You know, Duke had some chances to pull away, as did Carolina. And, you know, neither team could ever really do it. Um, But that late Caleb Love three, to put the heels up by three, you know, that I think that really sealed the deal. Mm. Yeah, uh, one of the shots that will go down the lore of this rivalry's history. Um, But now i got to talk about uh, let's unpack this game. As Sam said, there's a lot to impact uh, here. And just looking, uh, what was the importance of getting uh, two early fouls on Mark Williams, and how do you think that uh, Theo John played when he came in? Um, I think that Theo John made up for Mark Williams, you know, fine. Um, you know, but then he got those four early fouls, so he was unavailable. Um so I think it was really important to get those big guys in foul trouble to open up Baycott in the middle. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that was the most important thing. Yeah, and looking at the box score, 
Um, Caleb Love, obviously, with the game's leading scorer with 28 points. Um, he, had, he was 28 points on 11 of 20 shooting. Uh, free for 10 from the three-point line. A uh, bit of a struggle there. Um, but the player of the game um, is definitely Caleb Love. Uh, played all 40 minutes. And uh, tell me, Sam, uh, obviously in the first half, you know, Mark Williams on the on the, uh, the bench. But what did you think about the performance of R.J. Davis and how he stepped up uh, when the Tarles really lacked scoring in the first half? Um, he definitely kept uh, Carolina in the game through that um, first half, specifically the first half, because there were multiple points in the um, first half that I thought Duke could just run away with it. And, you know, uh, R.J. Davis was the only one scoring for Carolina. So I think that that he was very important and could have done what uh, Caleb Love was doing in the second half if he hadn't picked up all four of those fouls. Yeah, that was a definitely a critical blow uh, to have him miss some time. Only played 36 minutes in this game. But Puff Johnson came in, played some solid defense, and got two points there. Um, so I was amazed that the bench even scored uh, in this game. Uh, but it looked scary at one moment. Duke had the ball uh, up seven, uh, but the Tar Heels managed to go in that critical 13-0 run at the beginning of the second half uh, to put them up six, and it was a tight game uh, down the stretch. And i got to ask you, I said uh, on Tuesday when we talked about this game that the Tar Heels were going to have a psychological advantage because of the pressure. Mm-hmm. Do you think that contributed to the misses down the stretch like what uh, – uh, Mark Williams, uh, you know, went through with two back-to-back misses on the free throw line. You know, w- do you think the pressure was too great? Do you think that was just, you know, a big man being a big man down the stretch? Um, I think it was definitely a mix of both. Um, but most of all, I think it was just a big man being a big man. Um, you know, he was the last person of you know that of that starting five that you wanted at the free throw line. Um, I, I I wouldn't say wh- who I really think the moment was too big for was Bancaro. I think that the largest flaw of Duke this entire game was Bancaro's defense. Every like almost every possession, I noticed either Bacow would come out and set a pick on whoever was guarding RJ or Caleb Love, and you know they'd switch to put. Um, Bancaro on either of those two, and then they just drive and score on him. It was so easy. Mm. And it was that easy uh, in the second half. The Toros absolutely, uh, I wouldn't say dominating, but crushing uh, the tar- the Blue Devils uh, in that second half, uh, managing uh, to win that half by seven. Um, and I got to ask you, Sam, uh, how scary was that moment when Armando Bacot goes down, he twists his ankle, uh, with five minutes left of the game, um, yeah, it was it was scary because he did the same against St. Peter's with his cramps. I think that was scary too, you know, knowing that we'd have to face Duke next. Um, I mean, it was I, I can't really put it into words, but it's just oh my gosh, like that's how I felt. Mm, just can't be happening again. But he came back. And he played uh, down the stretch, obviously picked up that fifth foul uh, with that critical foul, Mark Williams. Turned out to be a genius play uh, because, you know, he missed two free throws. The Turtles ended up winning the game. 
And uh, how do you assess Brady Manny's performance, struggling mightily on the beginning starts of the game, misses two free throws in a row uh, in the second half, but makes some clutch threes. Uh, how do you assess his performance on an ADAF scale? Um, I would I would give him a C. I think he did enough. He did what he needed to do. You know, C's get degrees. It's really yeah. D's get degrees, but he didn't play that bad. Yeah. Um, I think that he did. He made shots when he needed to make shots. So that's right. And uh, he definitely wasn't the special, the standout uh, that he was in that game at Cameron. Uh, but certainly um, a, a fantastic player, and uh, he'll get one final shot um, to play uh, college basketball again uh, yeah. tomorrow night on Monday. Nine twenty tip against Kansas, and let's start talking about the national championship. Uh, ESPN's uh, Power Basketball Index has the Toriels at a 29.5% chance uh, to win this game, giving Kansas the heavy edge. And, uh, Sam, uh, first of all, how much did you expect this to be such a blue blood matchup uh, going into this tournament? Um, you know, I, I have not really seen Kansas play, but I knew they were good. So that doesn't surprise me that they made it this far. Um, <clears throat> but seeing Carolina in in the finals or the the final game that really surprises me. Um, but to see a, such a blue blood matchup with Carolina being an eight seed that's what's really surprising to me. Yeah, they definitely continue to be one of the greatest eight seeds ever. However, uh, two eight seeds. I have won uh, the national championship, so not of the question. And uh, certainly, they're going to have a chance, but an incredible matchup inside um, with, uh, uh, what's his name, McMillan and uh, Baycott. And then, obviously, Christian Braun, who is obviously, he looks like a dookie. I mean, straight up, but yeah. so that's definitely going to be an easy hate. Obviously, you don't like Bill Self at all. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot to hate here, a lot of rivalry. Um, an epic game uh, all the way back in, when Trevor was playing, triple overtime game in which North Carolina won by a point. Uh, so, Rosenbluth. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, you know, hopefully we get a little repeat of that and get a victory. Um, but, Sam, uh, what do you think? How, I mean, how do you just feel? Do you feel that there's a real chance the Toros have to win this game? I do, because I was really nervous about this Duke game, and I thought that there was a chance that we would win, but I really just saw Duke winning. You know, and I'm kind of looking at this matchup the same, and there isn't the added pressure of this is Duke, this is our rival, this is, like, one of the biggest matchups ever. Um, I think that, that that pressure is off. But, you know, Kansas doesn't have much pressure either. Um, I, I do think that that there is a chance, though. Yeah, and i got to ask you one final question about this national uh, championship matchup. Uh, obviously, Kansas cruised against Villanova. North Carolina had to play an emotional, down-to-the-wire, uh, you know, back-and-forth game against, you know, their biggest rival. Uh, do you think the fatigue could play a factor in this game? I do. I I think that, um, I think that it will specifically for Baycott. You know, he's I mean, twenty one rebounds last night. 
it's not easy. Um, I think that, you know, what I like, I like this matchup because all throughout the tournament, with the exception of the Marquette game, it's been close games to the wire. I well, I guess Saint Peter's, Peter's wasn't, but you know Baylor, Duke, and UCLA—they all kind of came down to the final few possessions. So I think that you know if you can go game to game with pretty good performances, um, I think that that we definitely have a chance. Yeah, and I think that the key to this uh, matchup is you know getting. Uh, into that first half and keeping the game close because I think if the game is close to the end, uh, the Charles will definitely have a chance. And uh, just to remind you, uh, for the teams that each, each of these teams have beat, uh, Texas, Kansas beat Texas Southern, Creighton, Providence, Miami, and Villanova, and North Carolina beat Duke, St. Peter's, UCLA, Baylor, and Marquette. Uh, we'll talk about our predictions at the end, but now it's time to talk about the legacy of what someone called the greatest. Uh, Coach K, and Sam, I got to ask you: Does this tarnish uh, Coach K's legacy as the greatest? Or you say this, this is just a footnote and uh, just the, kind of the cap uh, on Coach K's career? Um, I think it's just the cap, uh, just because I think that he's had such a long career that you know it. Like this is this is just one year. Um, I don't think it really tarnishes it. I think that it it takes away something that could have been, but you know. Yeah, I mean, it obviously is going to make him not become the greatest in my eyes. Uh, but certainly, I feel like uh, he had made some questionable coaching decisions. Uh, maybe not decisions, but I just feel like he had this team is definitely going to have four or five first rounders. Then he had the Zion team. And both those teams, you know, were the overwhelming favorite going to the Elite Eight. And they just uh, could not get it done. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, that is the end of the career of Coach K. Uh, probably going to be losing their entire starting lineup. But they have a uh, new team coming in. And John Shire, who's very easy to hate, very dookie kind of guy. So uh, I'm sure, like Sam said, I think that, well, some people said, oh, this is going to end the rivalry. Like, UNC will, the winner is going to own the loser forever. But I don't think that, I think this reinvigorates the rivalry because I feel like after the, it all kind of built up, you know, it was building, uh, you know, again, we had another match. We had the 15th championship of Duke, 17th championship of North Carolina. And they had that great year in 2019 with the Zion year. And then we just fell off a cliff. Um, so I think this really is going to bring some juice back to the rivalry. Hopefully a Baycott. Uh, and R.J. Davis, and maybe Caleb Love back next year. But we'll talk about that um, after the season. Um, but certainly uh, going to pump some juice back to the rivalry. And, uh, Sam, i got to ask you, um, you know, do you stand by your statement that this reinvigorates the rivalry? And do you think uh, it will be, you know, it will be elevated uh, next year, even compared to this year? Um, yeah, I think it will. I think that this does reinvigorate the rivalry. Because you you have two new coaches, Duke. Well, actually, I think Duke having a new team next year takes away. But you know, having these same Carolina players coming back, I think that that will maintain, if not make it make it better. I think I think it'll definitely maintain what it has right now. 
Yeah, and certainly the sentiment of this year, I think, is going to carry over into intensity uh, because this was just a brilliant basketball game. Um, I think 19 lead changes and like 12 ties. Uh, just an unbelievable game. Uh, one of the best I've ever seen. And, uh, the, you know, it wasn't very pretty uh, throughout, but Caleb Love played tremendously uh, down the stretch and definitely the player of the game. And, uh, you know, he's going to need to be big again. Uh, to show up for North Carolina against Kansas National Championship 920 TBS. Sam, it is time for the last time for you to give prediction uh, for the Tar Heel game uh, on Monday night. What do you got? 83-80 heels. High scoring game. Uh, Kansas one of the fastest teams in the country. Uh, can UNC slow them down a little bit? It's almost perfect how Roy Williams will be almost split. Uh, but this is a very Roy Williams-esque team that Bill Self has this year. And can the new reign of Hubert Davis uh, become, you know, only the second coach to win it all in his first season? Uh, can the Toros regain the glory after the tumultuous times of the past few years and become just the third team as an eighth seed to win it all? All those questions will be answered and more on Monday night in New Orleans. And uh, that is it. Um, this is our final update. On the previews uh, for March Madness, we'll obviously talk about it uh, in our next episode. Also, we'll be looking forward to our Masters preview on Tuesday and uh, the MLB preview uh, with Jack Cole for the season. So a lot to come at you. And we're going to talk about the NFL offseason. And we got to talk about the NBA playoffs. So just a mega uh, episode coming your way uh, this week. It might be on uh, Wednesday. We'll just have to see uh, just based on, you know, wh- whatever works best with the timing. But we will... Uh, Add that out shortly and uh, Sam, any final thoughts? No. All right, that's going to do it for this Final Four update on Cordon Lowry. And you're from us uh, sometime this week, I guess.